Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. I know <laughs> in this season, the, probably the level of social media, being on your device and all those things have probably went through the roof, right? I mean, what else can you do, all right? And so when you think about that, one of the memes that I keep seeing going around circulating in these last few weeks is this phrase, not all heroes wear capes. Maybe it looks something like you see on your screen right now. Not all heroes wear capes. I love that phrase, especially in this pandemic season, because some of the greatest heroes, y'all, are regular men and women, right? They're doctors, nurses, other medical care providers. They're store clerks and cashiers. They're truck drivers and, and people who stock shelves. They're moms and dads who are going above and beyond to make the most of this strange situation. And of course, I mean, there are many others. I can't name them all right here. We'd be here all day just naming them. But I want to say this morning, thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing for our community in this season. We here at Eastwood, we see what you're doing. And we appreciate it. And we are, and sincerely, this is not preacher talk. We're praying for you, and we mean that, all right? Not all heroes wear capes. In reality, <laughs> only the make-believe heroes wear capes like Batman and Superman. Real heroes, y'all, are all around us, and not one cape is in sight. And so today, as it's Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, and as we look at our text today, we see here in our text a hero who is not wearing a cape, okay? And this hero, he's the greatest hero of all time, Jesus Christ. The apostle Matthew writes about the first Palm Sunday and says this, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. So please, if you don't have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and grab that with me so that you can see it. It's always good to listen to the preacher with your Bible in hand, all right? You don't take my word for it. You're always a good Berean, making sure what I'm preaching is what the Word of God says. So Matthew 21 Verses 1 through 11. The Word of God says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, 
This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Would you pray for me or pray with me? And of course, pray for me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and ask God as we look at this word that you would speak to us today. Your word, your Bible is living and active by the power of the Holy Spirit to meet us where we are. And although we're not gathered for church, the church is meeting right now in one sense, Father. And so I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would be with us. Thank you for this word. And I pray right now that you would open the eyes of any lost person this morning. If there is someone here who is watching or maybe in the video after this live stream, Lord, who has never turned and trusted Christ, today would be the perfect day for them to turn and trust in Christ because it is today. Father, for the saints out there watching, those who have already repented and trusted Christ, may we be encouraged and remember the drama of Easter week. As we come into the season of Holy Week, beginning here with Palm Sunday. Father, you moved heaven and earth to save us. And we rejoice in all that you are. Help us today to see with fresh eyes truth from this passage, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Go ahead and type Amen right there so you can see who's interacting, right? Amen and Amen. So, Did you hear a hero's reception in that passage of Scripture, right? It was there. Jesus comes in riding on a donkey colt. Now, which in Jesus' day, guys, that was symbolic of a hero, okay? Conquering kings in those days, they would would put up their war horse after the victory was theirs, after they had conquered a city, and instead would pull out a young donkey to ride through that conquered city as an homage, as a symbol of their victory and of their heroic leadership in that victory. And so as Jesus rode into the city, he was riding on this donkey colt. And as we see here, he was received by a large crowd there in Jerusalem. I still remember uh, back in, I guess it was 1997, I had the privilege of of playing basketball at Warney's High School. And we went and uh, won the region, we won, uh, and then we went into the state tournament, and it was just an awesome thing. We actually got third in the state that year. Uh, it was just an amazing time there on that basketball team. But I still remember when we came back from Lexington from playing at Rupp Arena there in the Sweet 16 tournament, we came in and there was a police escort and people were lining the roads there on Louisville Road there at One East High School. And when we came into the parking lot, they gave us that hero's welcome. And we see that right here with Jesus, right, in this Passover week. There were many, many, many people who had come into the city to celebrate. You see, often in the Passover week, the population of Jerusalem, it would swell up to like five or six times its usual size. And so there were a ton of people in the city on this day. And this large crowd, when they saw Jesus, it erupted with excitement. They gave him a hero's welcome, right? They immediately recognized in Jesus a hero was coming. And so they began to spread their cloaks out on the ground for Jesus to ride over. That in itself was symbolic of great respect and of submission. They also laid palm branches, leafy branches, it says here in Matthew, that they had cut from trees on the road before Jesus. And so in that parallel passage, we learn from the Gospel of John that these were indeed palm trees that they cut branches from. That's where the name Palm Sunday comes from. Palm branches, you have to understand, were a Jewish national symbol. 
And it was a way to symbolize their belief that Jesus was the promised Davidic king, right? He was the hero they had been waiting for to sit on the throne of David. But they didn't just symbolically act here in their hero's welcome. Man, they cheered like crazy. They rejoiced. They cried out with excitement. They yelled, the Bible says here, to the top of their lungs, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, of course... The phrase son of David, that's a messianic title. It's a kingly title. And the word Hosanna, it it comes directly over to us from the Hebrew language. It literally means save us. But by the time of the New Testament, when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem here, it actually had kind of become an expression of praise, a word of praise. Maybe similar to uh, the word hallelujah. We're way more familiar with that as a word of praise. But Hosanna, when they were shouting that, they're praising God for something very specific. Remember, Hosanna means literally, save us. And so as they're praising God, they say, Hosanna to the Son of David. They're praising Jesus and God, specifically here, for his work of salvation. So they're essentially saying, we're saved. Our hero, our king is here. And then they quoted Psalm 118, verse 26, which was understood to be a messianic verse. You see it here in Matthew chapter 21. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they say. They saw Jesus as being the promised one sent by God to rescue them. So they praised Jesus with all of their might. Hosanna to the highest, they cried out. And so as you might imagine, I mean, it was quite the scene here. Centuries. Just, just imagine with me for a moment, Eastwood. Centuries. We, we can't even wait for five minutes and we're already frustrated. I mean, already we've just been in quarantine and healthy at home now for like two to three weeks and we're already frustrated, right? But think about these people here in Jerusalem. Centuries at this point of pent-up frustration from being oppressed and ruled by pagan nations. Centuries of waiting generation after generation for their promised Messiah to come. Centuries of silence from heaven as they longed to hear from God. And in this moment, it burst forth into the whole city. Matthew says that the whole city was stirred up. But let's be honest, that's actually a pretty mild way of putting the Greek here. When we translate this from the Greek to simply say that they were stirred, they were stirred up, that's a mild way of translating the word that we find here in the Greek. You see, the word for stirred up here in this passage is used elsewhere in the Bible to describe how people reacted to earthquakes or even to other apocalyptic upheavals. And so the crowd was more than stirred. They were wild with excitement. They were thrown into all-out commotion. I mean, everybody was like, who is this? we got to know who this is. And the crowds answered, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And when you hear that answer, they got the Jesus part right, but he was not just a prophet. He was way more than that. And so we're going to talk more about that here in just a moment. After this short Palm Sunday video. Happy Palm Sunday. See you back in just a moment.
So what an exciting time there on that first Palm Sunday there in Jerusalem. Look at verses 10 and 11 here in Matthew 21 again. It says, And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now think about this with me for just a moment. They said that he was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. They said through their actions and through their words that he was king. But his kingship was different than they expected. And third, they saw him as the hero, as the savior who had come to save them from Rome. But he came to save them from much more than that. To be honest with you, on this Palm Sunday, even in all of their fervor, they underestimated Jesus. Eastwood, have you ever underestimated Jesus? One time back in the 1980s, this dad, he wanted to congratulate his son on something that he had accomplished there in sixth grade. And so he took him to Kmart. <laughs> Y'all remember Kmart? You know, now, now for those of you who are too young to remember Kmart, they were like Walmart without groceries, all right? Uh, Kmart had just about everything a person could want except for food, all right? And so as they walked up to Kmart, the dad, he, he made this sweeping gesture as they came up to the entrance. To congratulate you, son, he said. I'll buy you anything in this entire store tonight. Anything you want, I will buy you. And so his, son, his son's eyes widened as he thought of all of the possibilities. I mean, think about you. If you were an 11 or 12-year-old today, what would you have chosen? I mean, a bike? A game system? Some of you are 11 and 12 years old right now. An aquarium? An iPhone? A trampoline or, or maybe a basketball goal. I mean, Kmart had all those things, or they did here until recently. And with full excitement, that son, when he heard that and began to think, he tore out through the store. He was looking everywhere. His mind was racing. But the more the boy walked through Kmart, the more he began to limit that offer in his mind. You can have anything in the store. He began to think and to limit in his mind, well... And my dad's not rich. I mean, I don't want to hurt the family. And, and my, my dad he, and my mom, they, they give me all sorts of good things. I don't want to look ungrateful for what I already have. I don't want to embarrass my dad. I, I don't want to get something too big, too expensive that when we get up to the checkout account, that my dad maybe can't pay for it. I don't want him to get angry at me or to feel embarrassed. And so the boy... And didn't even look at the huge stereo systems. If you're a child of the 80s, you remember how big stereo systems were, right? He didn't look at the expensive bikes or anything that costs more than $100. Instead, you know what he got? You know what he chose? He chose a big cassette tape carrying case that was less than $50. Now, how many of y'all can remember those, right? How important. You got to have them alphabetized and all those cassettes in there so that you could have all of your music right there. It was important, but it was a modest choice. And so when they got to the checkout, his dad was like, is that really what you want out of this entire store? And the son said, yeah, yeah, man, I, I, dad, I, I've really been wanting one of these. And so his dad smiled and he bought it for him. Now, several years later, as he and his dad were talking about that night, they were rem reminiscing, they were remembering you know, the good times, the big times, all those things from when he was growing up. That night, 
the son found out, as they were thinking back over that, that he had completely underestimated his dad. You see, come to find out that his dad had come to Kmart that night with $1,000 cash in his pocket. And on top of that, he had brought his checkbook with him just in case the $1,000 hadn't been enough. The son had way underestimated his dad. Now, in much the same way as we look here at Matthew 21, this crowd in Jerusalem, even Jesus' disciples, underestimated Jesus. Jesus was way more than they realized. Have you ever underestimated Jesus? Are you, even now in this moment, underestimating Jesus? On this Palm Sunday, here's today's takeaway that I want you to get this morning from this text. And here it is. Refuse to underestimate Jesus. I mean, that's a simple takeaway this morning, but it's going to change your, it's going to make a total difference in your life, okay? Refuse to underestimate Jesus. And so if you and I are going to do that, then we must realize three things. First, we need to realize this, that Jesus is more than a prophet. He's God in the flesh. Now, let me say that last part again. He's God in the flesh. Now, as Jesus wrote in that Palm Sunday, many in the crowd, as we've seen, they were asking, who is this? And the answer back, this is the prophet Jesus. Now, you need to understand this morning. I mean, they're not wrong, okay? They're not wrong. Jesus is, in one sense, a prophet. But he's much more than that. You see, it's not enough to simply say that Jesus is a prophet. I mean, let's just be real here for a moment. The Muslims believe that. So as Christians, we must say more than that. In Christian history, um, the church has often pointed to the threefold office of Christ, stating that Jesus is not just a prophet, he's prophet, priest, and king. But even then, the fullness of who Jesus is is not captured in that. The fullness of who Jesus is is not captured just in prophet, priest, and king. He's, he's even more than that. And so to get the fullness of who Jesus was and is, let's turn to a familiar passage for us. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17 here. As we get this direct answer from, from, from Jesus, or at least Jesus affirming the direct answer here. Who is this? Now when Jesus came into the, uh, into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And Eastwood, right there is your answer. I mean, Jesus is not just some prophet. He's not even prophet, priest, and king, or just prophet, priest, and king. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is God in the flesh. And so we read here, as you well know, in John 1.1. In John 1.1, the word says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we skip down to verse 14, there in John 1, and we read, And the Word 
became flesh and dwelt among us. As we have seen his glory, glory as of the only God, as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So here we see it. God in the flesh. You think about it here for just a moment. I mean, a mere prophet. I mean, that's a really important office in the Bible, right? But a mere prophet is just a man who talks to God and speaks to the people for God. But Jesus' prophetic ministry is derived from the fact that he is God in the flesh and spoke as God. So don't underestimate Jesus. Second, in order for us to refuse to do that, to refuse to underestimate Jesus, we need to realize, secondly, that Jesus wants to rule more than Israel. He wants to rule the world, including your heart. Now, many in this Palm Sunday crowd they realized that Jesus was king. Uh, Matthew, he even sets the table so that the kingly aspect of this triumphal entry is unmistakable. He quotes the prophet Zechariah here in Matthew 21, verse 5. Look at it with me. It says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And so the folks in the crowd knew full well the messianic meaning behind everything that was happening, but their scope of his kingdom was too small. It was way too small, right? They were thinking, he's coming to rule Israel. He's going to restore Israel. He's going to throw off those Romans and every other bad thing, every other pagan thing that's in here. They were so focused on this tiny little piece of land, which is like the size of New Jersey. They were underestimating Jesus, because Jesus didn't come just to be the king of Israel. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to be king of the world. I mean, ever since, think about this, ever since Jesus died and rose again, his kingdom has been expanding. Think about the parables there. The mustard seed parable, the leaven parable. His kingdom had been expanding and expanding and growing. And one day, y'all, When he comes back, it will encompass the entire world. Now, you need to understand this morning that the most important piece of real estate on planet Earth in Jesus' mind is not that little strip of land over there in the Middle East that's labeled Israel on the map. The most important piece of real estate to Jesus is your heart. And my heart. That's where Jesus truly wants to reign. That's where Jesus truly wants to be king. So beloved, understand this morning, on this Palm Sunday, Jesus wants to be your king. So I want to ask you a very important question this morning. Have you repented and made Jesus king of your life? That's what he desires to do today. How do you do that? How how do you do that? Here's how you do that. You see your sin. You agree with your sin. You turn from your sin. You trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and make him your king today. Don't underestimate Jesus. Finally, this morning, in order to refuse to underestimate Jesus, 
We need to do this final thing here that we see in our text. We need to understand this. Realize this, that Jesus is more than a political savior. He wants to save your body and soul forever. Now, maybe I should have reversed that. Maybe I should have said, he wants to save your soul and body forever. Because we often think about Jesus saving our soul. Because in time, that's what happens first, right? We, when we come to Christ, our soul is saved. But the truth of Easter points and reminds us of the truth that he doesn't just want to save our soul. He wants to save our body as well, right? He wants to save the totality of what you and I are. Because we're more than a soul and we're more than a body. We are body and soul. That's what it means to be a creation, a human creature in God's image. And so as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the people, they cried, Hosanna, we're saved. They were thinking the political answer to their political problem had arrived. And soon they thought all of their national problems would be solved. But don't miss this church. Don't underestimate Jesus, church. Jesus came to save us from something way more serious than political problems. Jesus came to save our bodies and souls from death and Hell, or we could even say it this way, from death in hell. He came to do way more than this Jerusalem crowd ever imagined. He wasn't coming just to live as physical king yet. I mean, that's coming, right? He's coming in his second coming to rule and reign as physical king in the kingdom come, in the age to come. But in this first coming, he wasn't coming to rule as king Physically, he was coming to die on the cross to pay for our sins and to rise again as first fruits for our future bodily resurrection. I've said this once, I'm going to say it again. Jesus didn't just come to save your soul. He came to save your body and soul. And for every person who will repent and trust in him as Savior, By the power of the Holy Spirit, he will regenerate your soul and he will one day resurrect your body. Spiritual and physical death will have no power over those who are in Christ. On this Palm Sunday, church, realize that he has saved us completely, body and soul. Don't underestimate Jesus. And I want to say to you this morning, I just want to reiterate what I said a moment ago. He can save you as well if you're here today watching this and you don't know Christ. The Bible says that you are lost, that you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and that your only hope is for you to hate your sin and to cry out to Jesus in faith and love. And beloved, hear me. He's promised he will save you. Refuse to underestimate Jesus. Now, I told you in the beginning, not all heroes wear capes. And I point you this morning no further than Jesus Christ for proof of the truth of that statement. Here's my final prayer for us this morning. May you rejoice This Palm Sunday in Jesus, the greatest hero 
forever. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live. And He stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.